are standing by right now is the one and the only Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she'd fallen asleep. Kind of shook her a little bit to, to wake her up, and she did not respond. I don't go down to my go to my grave, testifying or whatever, swearing that Davey was not on drugs. If he was on drugs, the way Brett says, how does I mean, how great does that make Davey? Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? If they would do a movie about your life, who would you want to play your part? <laughs> Uh, well, George Clooney, of course. <laughs> Who else could it be? Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Primetime with Sean Mooney. Man, do we have a lot going on with PTSM. We have uh, now added another episode every week. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. I hope you've all had a tremendous week uh, coming off a very special episode. Uh, content I wasn't even aware we had. I didn't. As you know, maybe maybe some of you don't, but I was a part of StarCast 2. And at that tremendous event in Las Vegas, I did a lot of hosting for many of the shows that appeared at that event on Fight TV. I also had the great fortune of hosting a great event there featuring one of my all-time favorite superstars, Brett the Hitman Hart. Now, the show was called Sharpshooter, Bret Hart in his own words. And uh, during our time together, we got to discuss a lot of topics and answered uh, a lot of questions that I had always wanted to ask Bret. It had been decades since we'd seen each other. And on top of it all, Conrad Thompson, who put StarCast together uh, and this show uh, that we did, also persuaded Tom McGee, remember him, to come to Vegas and be on stage with us to talk about the tryout match with Bret Hart that launched him into the WWF. So it was just an awesome afternoon. Well, those great folks at Fight TV, and uh, please, uh, they have so many great events out there. Uh, when you, when you want to see a, a, a great fight, or you know, they do a lot of MMA, and also uh, they do you know a lot of other events. You got to check them out, Mike Weber and, and that group. Well, uh, they allowed us to use the audio. And we put that up last week and got a tremendous response to it. I, I'm really glad that so many people enjoyed it. If you didn't catch it, uh, be sure to check it out. Uh, also, uh, the big announcement this week, I mentioned as we started uh, this podcast, uh, you asked for it, you got it, more old school. And we have added uh, a new podcast every week. It's, uh, it started this past Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. And we call them uh, the Network Classics PTSM. Network Classics PTSM. And uh, every week we're going to be featuring episodes from Saturday Night's Main Event, Primetime Wrestling, Tuesday Night Titans, Superstars, and, of course, Raw. And uh, what we do is uh, we, we play this. Uh, like the, We did the first episode of Saturday Night's Main Event this past week, uh, the number one uh, episode for that uh, great a series that ran for so many years. It was so much fun. And uh, I do commentary along with them. So I, I, I you know, talk about some of the stories behind the scenes and uh, you know, some of the other things that I knew were going on. I talk about who you know, the announcers. I mean, I just, uh, just have a blast with it. 
and you can listen to it whenever you want. You just match it up. I tell you, here, press play, and off we go. So uh, check it out. Those uh, every Monday now we're going to be having uh, those those uh, network classics. We're calling them, and uh, the next one will drop again next Monday, six a.m. Eastern time. Okay. Uh, known around the world as the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal, death-defying maniac, Sabu. Sabu, welcome to Primetime. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm pretty good. Hey, where did that nickname come from? Where The, the homicidal, suicidal, where did that all come from? Uh, Paul Hannon came up with that. that that's uh, yeah. He, I don't like using it so much because it sounds like I'm bragging or something. I don't mind if, if someone else says it, but yeah. I, would, I don't say it myself. But, but yeah, Paul Hayden came up with that. Well, I tell you, um, you know, when you would look at your performances, though, they were just uh, so much different than anything else anybody was doing at the time to that extreme. And, you know, you, you, you think about that time, uh, Sabu, that they had, you know, there were brawlers out there. There was hardcore, but uh, nothing like what you would do with it. But what was the difference back then? And I know that the original Sheik, was uh, one of the you know the forefathers of that. But what was the difference to you between you know these brawlers that would go out there and uh, you know work pretty stiff and and hardcore? Well, you know, but brawlers were guys who weren't technical wrestlers. They were guys who were kickers and punchers and stiff. Yeah. So I just made made the uh, the brawler athletic. You know, with uh, kicking and punching to another level. You know, yeah, so, and, and everything I did. Kind of rough, you know, like in my moonsaults are crooked and all that's kind of rough, so it looks a little more uh good, but I think it looks better than, than a smooth moonsault, you know, yeah, or smooth. Moonsault. But when you were growing up and seeing this, um, I don't know if you thought maybe you know you could do it better or you had other ideas on where you could take it from there, but it was, well, the, no, I, yeah. well, I'm sorry, go ahead, I'm sorry, no, but I'd say, was, was it. You know, to some people who really don't understand the art of it, I mean, there really is something to that. And did you recognize it back then when you were a young a young kid? Uh, no, like, uh, of course, I want to be a wrestler, but yeah. and I was scared of my uncle, but and but I, I was scared to be like him also. You uh-huh. know, when I was a kid, yeah. then when I when I started wrestling, he goes, "You can't be like me." So I, my first five years. I didn't even jump off the top rope, and I didn't bite anybody. I, I didn't bleed. Uh, I didn't even go out of the ring. It was all in-the-ring stuff, boring stuff that first matches do. And then uh, I used to have uh, these crazy moves in my mind, what I used to do in the backyard, because we had a ring in the backyard, and I, when no, I thought nobody was watching. And then when we were in Japan, I go, Sheik, what should I do? Because I never did, the, did any moonsaults or that in a match. And he goes, uh, do what you do when you think I'm not watching. I go, what do you mean? He goes, when you're in the back, you think I'm not watching, I'm watching you. I'll do those things. I said, right. And so I did, and I got over the first night, and I did a new thing every night. And then uh, everybody thought I was a flying magician. <laughs> okay, so, and, and now that you, you mentioned your uncle, and uh, uh, I'm sure a lot of people don't, re- don't know the history that uh, your uncle, the original Sheik, Ed Farhat, uh, was your uncle, as you mentioned, and... What was it uh, like for you as a kid growing up and, uh, you know, being around him? And, and how did that relationship develop where you eventually got into wrestling? Well, uh, it's in the book, but uh, I could tell you anyways, but I have a book that came out too also. Yes. But, um, 
uh, growing up, you know, I stared at him and, and just kind of wanted to be like him, right? Yeah. You know, I never talked to him. I was going to talk to him. He always talked, told me what to do, but I never say anything back. And then when I got uh, I got shot in the face when I was 19, but I wanted to be a wrestler my whole life. So when I, went to, when I was amateur wrestling in school, it wasn't even to be a better amateur wrestler. It was preparing me to be a pro wrestler when I turned 18. Yeah. It wasn't even to, to be a better amateur wrestler, to be a, a pro wrestler. Yeah. It was just a warm-up for it. So when I turned, when I got 19, I got shot. So I figured uh, if I'm gonna do this, I better do it before I get shot again, or, or uh, you know, <laughs> you know. So uh, two weeks after I got shot, I went out and seen him, and uh, it took off from there. We, he became my mentor, and I never left his side for 20 years. Yeah, and you mentioned that book, Sabu: Scars, Silence, and Super Glue. Um, it is an incredible book. That's, that's, it, that's close enough. <laughs> huh? That's close enough. It, it, the, 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 it's five super glue, yeah. Well, it is. It's a it's a great book. How, and uh, it, we'll mention this again, but how can folks get it? Uh, it's still out there through. Uh, you can get it on Kindle or you can get it on, what was that, Melissa? How, how, what's my, uh... hold on, this is, hold on, this is Super Jimmy. Okay. Hey, Sean, how are you? Good, how are yeah, you? Yeah, uh, I am great. I hope you're doing well, too. Um, yeah, the, the the best way to get it, where you're like personally getting it right from Sabu and me, is to order it off ecwsabu.com. So ecwsabu.com. Uh, okay. And then you get a signed personalized copy from him, and I I do a lot of his mail. We just moved, so we don't really have a good assistant yet where we are. So uh-huh. <laughs> so we do, uh, I handle his mail for him, but ecwsabu.com. The thirty-five dollar personalized copy is the best one to pick up. Fantastic! Yeah, or, or, or on Kindle if you just want to get it over the internet or whatever. Yeah, Kindle too. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so so getting back I to prefer, uh, I prefer to order it from Kindle that way. I don't have to mess with it. <laughs> okay. Well, we and and we'll we'll talk about that again before we wrap up our conversation. But I wanted to kind of go through. Uh, you mentioned getting shot. I mean, there's there's a lot to that story right there. But uh, growing up, and were you an athlete? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Me, and my brother. I had three brothers and three sisters, and my three brothers are just uh, one year and two years older than me, or two years and three years older than me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we played baseball, football, whatever season it was. We had uniforms and we played it. You know, every year until uh, like sixth grade or something. Then then we started playing real football. You know. Yeah. So was that your sport? I mean, were you a, a, a you like football? Uh, Every, everything was our sports, uh, baseball, football, and, and uh, but not wrestling. Only wrestling was my sport. My brothers didn't like wrestling, but yeah. uh, we, we were all baseball, football players forever, forever. And in high school, junior high and high school, you know. And that, but I was a wrestler. They they were never a, a wrestler. They they were beating me up my whole life, but they didn't wrestle me. <laughs> so were you that? Were you uh, points in your life thinking you know that I might be able to play some kind of professional sports? Uh, was that a- yeah. No, 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 everything was to give me to be a wrestler, football, baseball. Really? I took all that, and, and I, I'm not kidding. When I was doing it, I was saying, this is going to make you a better wrestler. This is going to make you a better wrestler. So I lift weight to, eat a better, to be a better wrestler. I eat steak to be a better wrestler. I played baseball to be a better wrestler. Huh. Whatever it took, whatever I did was to hone me to be a wrestler. So you said you had a ring in the backyard, though. Is that um, you know something that your brothers that, that, and you guys were all into? Like 
No, the backyard was my uncle's backyard. Okay. He always had a ring, but I never got into it until I was 19. I was never allowed in there. I could look at it and all that and hit the canvas, but I could never, uh, you know, hit the apron with my hands when I was little. They never let us in the ring. Uh, I couldn't get into it until I was 19. But when I went out to go train, get trained by him, I moved out into his house, and it was seven months until I got in that ring. I had to chop wood and be his slave for seven months and not say, hey, when can I get in the ring? Just, he never said, never ask anything, just do what I say. And for seven months, I didn't see her. I couldn't even get in the ring. I, I seen the ring. I never got in the ring. Did he want to see how bad you wanted it? Was that uh, yeah. his process? Yeah, and how disciplined how bad I wanted it and how disciplined I was. Wow. So before we get whatever into I did wrong, Whatever I did wrong, he'd correct me, and I never did it wrong again. Never. Uh, whatever he corrected me on, I did it wrong again. Was he always this mysterious figure growing up? Like you said, he didn't didn't talk to you much. You were afraid to talk yeah. to him. Yeah, I, I'd watch him talk to other people, and he laughed and joked and all that. Yeah. But I was so young that uh, you know he wasn't a, a buddy of mine. He was my uncle and and, and a, a giant man, you know, a star. Yeah. You know, I yeah. seen him on TV. He was giant, so unbelievable. And uh, so I, I was afraid to talk to him. But I, I would always stare at him. He had said, I knew you would come out and see me. How would you know that? I go, how would you know that? He goes, because you, you stared at me your whole life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and who were some of the other, uh, I mean, I don't know how much you were exposed to as far as other professional territories in Lansing, Michigan, but who were some of the uh, other There was none in Michigan. I didn't wrestle, I didn't wrestle in Michigan until probably nine years into my career. Yeah, I, I, I just wrestled into yeah. I mean, no, Michigan, Detroit. I'm not Lansing. I didn't wrestle in Lansing until probably nine or ten years into my career. I wrestled in Detroit a lot, but my mother, my mother's never seen me wrestle. Yeah, but I mean, not, what, not even on TV. what about growing up though? What, did, never, you, what did you follow when you were when you were growing up? What wrestling did I follow? Yeah, yeah. What were you able to see there? Well, big, big, big time wrestling. That was the only wrestling that I knew of. I didn't even know there was any other wrestling growing up. Uh, I only thought big time wrestling was the wrestling that was the companies. Yeah. What company? So when your uncle started training, what's that? I said. Uh, so when you when you your uncle started training you, was it pretty much just basic wrestling? It wasn't. He wasn't training. Was he training you to be a you know hardcore or was it? No, you got to learn the basics. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't have a cage match for five or six years. I didn't have a hardcore match until I went to Japan seven years. Wow. I never had a barbell until seven years. All this stuff uh, gr gradually evolved. You never have that stuff. You never say, I'm going to practice for a barbell match when you're green. You're going to practice for the first match if you're lucky. Yeah. You know, and, and hardcore stuff, when, the, when anybody trains with me, we don't bash each other with chairs. I hand-to-hand I, I -hand wrestle them. Then when they're good at that, then I bash them with a chair. Right. Yeah. You know, so, you know I, I used to have guys come to my house thinking we're going to do backflips all day. We didn't do one backflip all week. Really? I taught them how to lock up, how to headlock, and how to armbar, and how to arm drag, and all the stuff that everybody thinks is boring, but you got to be good at. Yeah. So before we really get into it, uh, and it obviously had a big impact in your life, how did you get shot? Uh, I, I was at a party for a friend of mine. And these guys from across the street came over and caused some trouble. Yeah. So out of the corner of my eye, I seen this dude pull out two guns. It looked like out of his socks, but it wasn't out of his socks. He, was, it just, he pulled them out. He, knew, he was low with them. And pulled them, out, pulled them out. He had two guns in his hand. 
And this is out of my eye. He was shooting my friend in the stomach. Bam, 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 bam. Then he took off running, so I ran after him. And while he's running, he's shooting behind him. But I caught him and threw him down. And during the tumble, he pushed the gun against my face and shot me. Oh, yeah. You know, there was no closer than point making you could get. It was right against my face. And uh, shot me, you know, uh, in my cheek, kind of. Uh, and uh, that, that was that. So it was just like a clean in-out wound? You didn't suffer any? It was a clean, dirty in-wound. Uh, I had powder burns all down my throat, pellets down my, in the back of my throat. It, it, the, when the bullet hit my teeth, it shattered and went to my nasal cavity in the back of my throat. So I actually got shot in my throat. And uh, uh, so uh, and the powder burns killed me. I couldn't breathe. For, like I, had, I was coughing for weeks. It burned my lungs. The powder burns, the powder, burns, the powder flash went down my throat. Mm. Wow. But anyways, I survived <laughs> it. And... Uh, Nothing else was hurt as much. <laughs> no, but how, but obviously it. it, it uh, I know you were blessed that uh, to have something like that happen. And how did that change your life? To you know, you getting into what you had to well, do for yeah, a living. Well, at the time, you know, I was really wild. I just got out of high school, you know, a year before that, yeah. and so I was still partying, jamming, and stuff. And when I got shot, that's when I uh, stopped partying and jamming and started lifting weights and eating right and training, and then. Uh, uh, like I said, two weeks out of the hospital, I went and see my uncle, and I I didn't look back. Wow. So, uh, tell me about the the early years though of training. I mean, it sounded like it, it took a while. He wasn't going to let you go out there and and uh, you know perform yeah, I, professionally. I trained two years. Wow. I trained two years. I didn't have the first match till I was twenty one. I, I trained two years, and then uh, uh, and then I wrestled five years. You know, just. Uh, hand-to-hand wrestling, no high spots. The only high spot I would do would be a drop kick. Wow. You know, wow. it was all boring stuff. But anyway, the stuff that you have to learn to be a good to be a great wrestler, you have to know this stuff. You could be a good wrestler without it, but if you know that stuff, you could be a great wrestler. Yeah, and, and what, I will. what was the what was the territory? The, I, you know, because a lot of people don't know about the territories back then that you would you would work in an area, and then when I started. It wasn't really a territory. It was a spot shows. I was, my uncle ran a little bit, but it was mostly the spot shows in you know Ohio, Indiana, and, and Michigan, and uh, that was in Windsor and, and, and Ontario. It was the spot shows, and uh, my first territory sort of would be uh, you know Dave the Bear Man in Ontario. Every summer I'd go up there and wrestle for two three months, and and uh, you know there was not really territories anymore. This is when Vince was taking over. The right. territories were dead then. Really, even then, huh? It was uh, there wasn't yeah. the, the independent world was really. Oh, you know, it was terrible. Yeah, that's all. There, I didn't know the difference between independent and anything else. I just, I thought everybody was independent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's killed everything. You know. So what? Really but he also yeah. he killed the territories, but he made more money than ever for the wrestlers. You know, the wrestlers now are the highest state ever. You know, ever. Dude, I mean, his guy didn't make money like that. My uncle didn't make money like that. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I guess everybody has a lot to thank him for. But at the time, it was, you know, because I came in, I started working for the WWF in 88. And that was when, you know, the the world had really changed because they had, you know, WrestleMania won in 85. But those early, you know, early 80s is when it really completely changed, completely. And, uh, but uh, as we look back, Look what it did for the business. I mean, there's uh, 
You know, yeah, it's unbelievable. Realize that. Uh, what was the? Yeah, I, yeah, go ahead, Sabu. That's how good. No, no big deal. Go ahead. What was the? Uh, I don't know if you'd call it your first big break, but was it when? Uh, was it going to Japan that really changed your your life yeah, as far uh, as professionally? Yeah, yeah. The first five years, I made less than a hundred dollars a match. I made you know a lucky twenty five or fifty a match. After five years, I started making a hundred dollars a match. So I made hundred dollars a match until until seven years. So I went to Japan. After I went to Japan, I made a living. I didn't, so my break with Japan, I didn't make a living until seven, you know, until I went to Japan, seven years into my career, wow. nine years into my training, and 15 what, years into my life. And what what was uh, wrestling like at that time in Japan? Because uh, uh, other people have been guessing it, here. It was, uh, uh, it was just starting to get, like, uh, uh, Onita's company was just starting out to be hardcore, it was different. And it wasn't called hardcore. It was just called uh, frontier martial arts wrestling. Where he called it martial arts wrestling because we we'd fight, you know, uh, karate guys in a barbed wire match or something. So it was funny. But the, some of the guys they couldn't work, you know. But anyways, anyways, uh, the wrestling in Japan, you know, the, there was Baba and Inoki, their companies, and that was like that 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 was the top dollar ones. And, and then the lesser companies was FMW, IWA, and a few other ones, uh, and Wing. But, and so I went to FMW where they say no one made money, but we I made money. They paid my uncle very good, and they paid me pretty good. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, uh, that changed. When I came over, I changed the pale scale. Pay, the pay scale. The pay, uh-huh. scale, pay scale. I'm sorry, yes. Yeah. Pay scale for independent guys. So they had everybody else's money. And why was that? I mean, because you were... Uh, well, that good? They, they no, no, well, no, not in the beginning. Yes, I mean, I got the, a, a decent payoff before I got to Japan because because of my uncle. Then I got more because I was that good. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying to say that I was that good, but I'm just saying what you said. Uh, they paid me more because they liked me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and was it as uh, crazy over there as far as? Um, I mean, those matches were basically shoot matches, a lot of them, right? That they, uh, you really yeah, had to. Yeah. yeah, they were half shoots. You know, of course, the finish doesn't work. But uh, they were half shoots where they were very stiff with chair shots and everything was. Because they weren't, they weren't good at. The, the guys he had used, the green guys and the American guys he had used, they weren't very good, but they could bash the shit out of each other. Like Mike Austin, in the beginning, he wasn't very good. And Horace Boulder, they weren't very good, yeah. but they could bash the shit out of each other. But that isn't that bitch about it. Yeah, but that's what they expected too, right? When you went in. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, you know, we did you ever really get hurt doing those matches because of uh not only what they expected, but like you said, some of these guys weren't as uh talented and as skilled at doing, you know, these matches. Yeah, you know, you you get a concussion almost every night or <laughs> Every other couple of nights, you get you get knocked out, or stitches in the back of your in, stitches in the back of your head because we cut our heads every night. But uh, the chairs must have back of the back of our heads open on, you know, and just uh, about uh, every other chair shot there. So stiff. even if you blocked them, they they fling the chair. And Japanese chairs were so heavy and they fling them so hard that uh, even if you blocked them, they'd knock the shit out of you. <laughs> so is this at this point where you started to? Uh, embrace hardcore more, learn more techniques. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was I was taking what they're doing to an athletic level. 
Like I, like I could hit you with a chair, but I'd throw it to make it look better. Yeah. You know I mean, or I could could sit in the chair, but I'd jump off it to make it look better. So whatever they did, I wasn't trying to degrade what they did. I was just trying to do make my own style. I wasn't trying to say in my head my own style. I'm just gonna do. It. I was saying thinking it was my way. I'm gonna do it my way. Uh, he said hit him with a chair. I'm gonna throw it. He said do that. I'll jump off it. Or he does that. I'll flip. Or, or you know something like that. If they go, can you do a run-in? Yeah, so I would do a different kind of run-in. I'd run, jump out the chair, apron, get in the ring, something like that. You know, now now I can't do it. There's camera people in the way and fans. I can't do it. But anyways, anything they wanted me to do, anything they did, I just changed it into a, a athletic movement. Were you all? Were you always where, that? Uh, hardcore, hardcore wasn't just punching and kicking each other. It, it was uh, poetic. Yeah. No, like I said, there was—it's an art. I mean, to be able to do those moves, and I don't know—were you always that uh, athletic? Did you have that, uh, you know, that that type of yeah. skill as a when you were younger? Yeah, you know, not not wrestling athletic, but yeah, you know, not, you know, everything I did, you know, played football and all that. I, I pretty much stood out. I didn't excel at anything because, like I said. It was all practice to be a wrestler. I didn't take anything that serious. And when they say, hey, you know, you're in the All-Star game, I go, oh, yeah, but I'm busy. <laughs> you know, that was a day off, you know. Yeah. And, but, uh, and I wasn't that good, but but I, but I didn't matter to me how good I was. It was all the honing me to be better later. Yeah, but, I mean, but Sabu, you look at it, and, you know, and I've uh, watched a, a bunch of these old matches with you, and uh, – if you if you really look at it for what you're doing, and it's it's for somebody looking at it, it's just like this mass chaos, but it's not. And there's like you know like gymnastic moves, and there's almost like you're a, like a diver in some that everything has to be exact. And I'm, I I just couldn't help but wonder like how did you work that out? Because you have to have somebody else who's able to do that with you to pull it off. So, uh, well, well it, 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 it was. It was a little, it was first done in Japan, you know, of course the Japanese would, would do anything I wanted, and after I figured out what I was doing, because I was making it up as I was going along, <laughs> after I figured out what I was next time, uh, the guys were easy to do. Now, in the States, they were stubborn, so I'd be doing moonsaults to the to the floor, and they'd move. The only one that would stand there would be Terry Funk. Anything I said, I'd say, catch me. He goes, what? I'd do for a flip on him, and he'd catch me. Then <laughs> he goes, catch me. Then he'd just kind of, he didn't do a flip, but he'd do a dive, it's his type of dive on me and not catch him. And then when people started seeing him doing that, they started saying, Hey, well, I could take that. <laughs> but I know. remember, uh, when I, when I used to put a guy through the table in, in, in the very beginning in the States, I'd pay him an extra hundred dollars if he would sell it to the hotel and tell people that it was stiff because they, after I put him through a table, they go, Hey, that was a mess. And I go, yeah, but don't tell anybody. Yeah. Well, otherwise everybody will do it. Yeah. Then everybody started doing it. And it sure looked like it. And how did you bring that in? What? Where did the? Uh, because nobody mastered that better, better than you. Well, but. Uh, like I said, in Japan they were doing power drivers to the table. So I took it to another level by doing a moonsault to the table. Yeah. One day, Marco, uh, we did a match, and uh, one day Marco said, "Get back in the ring, and get your heat." I go, "What do you want me to do?" He goes, "I don't think of something." I go, well, "How about I moonsault the table?" He goes, "What's that?" I go, "I'll show you." I threw a table in the ring, and I moonsault. A table, a moon talk to the table, and boom, the people went nuts. So the next night, I put a guy on the table, and they went nuts. Here. And then uh, it went off from there. Wow, I'm telling you, you look, you look back at that stuff, and now it's just it's commonplace. You know, they do it uh, all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's a headlock. But back <laughs> it's then, like a headlock. yeah, 
But back then, uh, you must have brought the house down when you started, when that was something that you, you did. Was it, uh, you know, was, was that the reaction when you, when you brought it to the States? Yeah, yeah, the, when I brought it to the States, like, I, you know, the first time I, I did the stuff was in Philadelphia, and those fans knew who I was already, you know, because mm-hmm. they, they had the seats. So those, those fans, a hardcore fan isn't a fan that knows everything. A hardcore fan is a fan that will go watch any wrestling. And at the time, Philadelphia was the shit. They had big names, but the, the matches were really bad, yeah. and the TV was really bad. That you know, hardcore to me was the bad TV and the bad matches. You know, these guys weren't very good, but the people still wanted to see them because they'll, they'll watch anybody. Yeah. So when I came in and did my stuff, they go, wow, we're not watching just anybody. We're watching somebody special. Uh, yeah. And, uh, after, month after that, probably bring in somebody special, you know. Did you feel you had to keep raising the bar? Uh Yes and no. I, I didn't raise the bar because I was the bar. So I just kept trying to impress myself. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> you know. but then you have, but the, now, what, what comes with I that, just, though. Yeah. Go ahead. What, what, I'm sorry. I said, but what comes. I, I was just trying to, go, I'm sorry again. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that what comes with that is that, you know, people want to do it as well. So they're kind of chasing you. I mean, is that the way you felt? Because then you would have to, okay, everybody's doing it. Everybody's bringing yeah, the table yeah. up. Yeah, I, I was very mad in the beginning when other people broke tables because they, they they would do it. Probably would have other guys, uh, public enemy, break a table when I wasn't there. And I go, hey, did anybody break a table? He goes, no. And I go, well, I seen the TV from last week. Okay, someone broke a table. He goes, well, we didn't emphasize it. I said, you just fucking nobody broke a table. They just said, nobody seen it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, and then so the, uh, I I didn't mind so much because they did it badly. They didn't do it like I did it. Uh-huh. You know, I did a couple of freezes, I did a thing, uh, and then boom, you know, and they would just go boom, you know. And they got a great reaction because the people just wanted to see anything. Like I said, hardcore fans are happy to see anything. Yeah. But some of these things you came up with, and, and I don't know the truth to the legend of this, but of course that story is out there about that, uh, the match with the Sheik in 92 uh, with the uh, ropes that were, uh, with barbed wire and they, they had gas soaked rags on them or something. Was that, yeah. what is the truth to that uh, legend? Well, it, it happened, but it wasn't very good. Uh, the uh, the end of the going to a fire match. I said, oh, what's that? They go, you'll see. And then they showed me a diagram of it and, and it was eight foot two by fours wrapped in bed sheets soaked in kerosene for like a week. <laughs> and they had two on the top one in the middle and two on the bottom. So there's five on each side. That was the diagram. At the last minute, I go, don't put the bottom ones on because how are we going to get out? They go, jump over. I go, no, I'm also going to jump over. So don't put the bottom ones on. They go, okay, we won't put the bottom ones on on one side. So they didn't put the bottom ones on on one side. So uh, the fire, So they, they, then they go, after about 10 to 15 minutes, wait for the fire to go down and then do a high spot. I said, okay, we get in the match. Two minutes in the match, we're all crowded in the middle saying it's too hot. <laughs> and about, we only went about six minutes, I think. And then, so I ran and jumped out of the, the, the ring first and grabbed the bucket and threw it behind me because I figured my uncle's behind me. But he went out the other side where he did get through it and it burned the shit out of his back. Really? Like he was in the hospital, he was in the hospital a couple of weeks and he oh sold it God. for about six months. Yeah, well, not all of them work, right? <laughs> Jeez. And, and they couldn't put it, they couldn't put it out and it, the ring burned till like morning till the next day. 
Jeez. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, most remember you from ECW. In e, uh, and it, that is where uh, much of the legend about you derives. Um, what was it? What was the ECW at the time when you arrived there? And I think it was in 93. I hope I'm correct there. But uh, it was in 93, yes. Yeah. I think so, yes. Uh, it was just uh, a bunch of guys that weren't that good, you know, like, nothing against that man, but he, he, he knows he's not that good, a technical wrestler, but he mm-hmm. tried to be one. He was, a, he was a surfer with with white stuff on his nose. Sandman was supposed to be Sandman the surfer, not Sandman the nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> when I got there, I go, man, these guys are terrible. I go, I'm just going to do my regular match. So I did a, a, you know, my regular match with Taz, and and uh, but which was extreme to anybody else, and they went nuts. I, like Taz was the right opponent for me, and uh, because he wrestled real hard and stiff, he, he like he wanted to prove something to me because he thought I was stiff, but I just look stiff. I'm not stiff. If anybody when they wrestle me, they go, "Wow, like uh, you're a lot smoother than I thought." I go, "Yeah, you're supposed to look rough." Yeah, that's right. good. The game is to look rough. Yeah, I mean you had to people you had to pay people to. To tell them that you were just <laughs> with the tables, that you were stuff. Um, was it was it this uh, a collection of uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess they like to think of themselves as rebel, but it was kind of rebels. They were kind of the anti uh, WWF, I guess, at the time. Uh, did you guys kind of look at it that way that you were just doing what you wanted to do and didn't want anybody telling you how to do it? Yeah. Um... Like uh, after I came in and got over, like it, it changed slowly into extreme. That wasn't the the vision. The vision, and Paul took over the same day I came in. So he let the guys do pretty much what they wanted to do, and and that's you know that's great. Except for sometimes you can't let guys do what they want to do if they're not good at it. But the people appreciate it, so they 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 would do what they did, and they weren't good at it, but they were killing each other. So. It got over, and then then eventually we'll, we'll call it hardcore. Yeah. You know, we never know what hardcore was at the time. They just thought it was brawling. But to you, was it always, um, I guess, in a sense, art? I mean, you always were, you know, prepared to make sure that no one got hurt, and and whatever you did, to whatever your high spot was going to be, you prepared for it, and wanted that person yeah. who's going to do it with you. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the stuff would be stay or move, and so the guys would move, you yeah. know. So, but I still the the move in or the flip in or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, I forgot what the question is. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying that you know the way if you were watching it back then, and it was just people thought it was just chaos. That the, you know nobody really, you know, they just did these crazy things. But I know I've heard you talk before that it it wasn't that way with you. You made sure that you were prepared, knew what you were doing, knew what that other person was going to be in that ring was you was going to be protected. Uh, I mean, was that always yeah, well, philosophy? I, I never did a, a, a crazy move that I haven't already did in practice probably 20 times or more. Yeah. You know, everything I did, I didn't practice. I had a ring to practice. And uh goes, you can't do that with somebody. I go, okay, well, why not? He goes, It'll, it's too stiff. I go, you're right. So I'd make whatever I did on stiff, only stiff to myself. So I took most of the pounding. I took all the pounding. I took 95% of the pounding more than my opponent. Yeah, and how much of a toll did it take on, on your body? What's that? I said, how much of a toll did it take on your body, even early on? Yeah, early on it didn't bother me. You know, really, not now about me, but it didn't bother me. That's why I'm so fucked up now. Is because 
I didn't get surgeries when I should have because I could overcome it with pain pills or just stubbornness because I didn't want to take any time off. I never took any time off. The only time I took time off was when I caught an infection and I had to take a whole year off. I couldn't, I couldn't walk for a few months. But anyways, uh, mm. that's the only time I took any time off. I, I never intentionally said, hey, I'm going to take some time off. It's just There'd be spells where I didn't work for a couple of weeks, but I never took time off. Even now, I work almost every week. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know how uh, you keep doing it. It's and, uh, and, and, and if the price is right and the people are there, I'll bust my ass. Yeah. You know? uh, I'd bust my ass anyway, but really bust my ass if the people are there. Yeah, so uh, tell me more below about the ECW and what that atmosphere was like uh, and some of the people that were there with you that you saw coming up and who became big stars too. Well, ECW was electric to me. Whenever I come out, you could feel the cheering. Before I'd go out, you could, like, they chat my name all through the show. You could feel them. They vibrated the building. That was awesome. And then, you know, uh, what else was the question? <laughs> well, I smoke and breathe. Yeah, but, um, I was, but what was it about the ECW that was so different than these, you know, the other groups? Because it, it oh, was. Oh, oh, because, because no one censored us. We didn't have no censor. Paul Lee was our age. He was in the same hip crowd as MTV. Yeah. You know, and it was MTV age. Uh, and uh, we got to do what we wanted, and there was no censor. I got to do what I wanted. That's how I got to be so, uh, not poetic, but uh, got to tell my story my way. Because Paul Lee let me do it that way. So did Japan. They let me do whatever I wanted also, yeah. within reason. Paul yeah. let me do anything I wanted without reason. I could do anything I wanted. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's why people appreciated it. Uh, yeah, that's why I give Paul credit for that. You know, that's how you you find out who. If you want an artist to be an artist, you let him be an artist. You don't tell him what to do. You let him be an artist. Yeah. Well, and it seems that that element is missing. I think uh, somewhat from from today's product. I don't know what your your feeling is on it, but I think okay. that anytime yeah, you're trying that, to tell people I, how to perform, it's not a good idea. But now they have a blueprint. There was no blueprint. The blueprint you make up, you go along, you, you, you make the blueprint as you go along. Now there's a blueprint where you, here's a promo station, here, here's the, the, the tumbling station, here, here's the top rope station. Like they all go through these, these steps that weren't there before, you know? You know, they're, they're, everybody's taught different and they're taught to be like actors, you know? Got to get your character down in this. Before they have a match, no, you don't. You got to learn how to headlock before you get your character down. Yeah. Well, and I know I don't. I don't think it was too far from this. Uh, like like a year later, I mean, I think the WWF came calling. Um, but was there a loyalty to ECW, or did you like the freedom? What was it that uh, I think you basically turned them down, didn't you? Oh, yeah, that was in 94. Yeah, yeah it was loyalty to uh, Paul. Pa, Paul Heyman. It wasn't even loyalty to ECW. It was loyalty to Paul because Paul, he got me. Well, he goes, uh, he, he goes, I got to tell you something before you match. I go, what? He goes, do something amazing. Yeah. I go, oh, okay. I'll <laughs> That's the only advice he'd give me. So for him to say in that, that was the most, that was great. You know, he, was, he, knows, I, he knows I was going to do something amazing, you know. So did you fear that being, yeah, you know, being with the WWF, they would stifle that? They would try and control you? Um, uh, yeah, when I talked to Vince, he, he said, you know, they wanted to, to tone my style down and modify my look and have the Iron Sheik as my uncle. 
And I go, no way I can do that. Oh, you know, wow. yeah. that thing wasn't a deal breaker. The, the change my look was a deal breaker. Modify my look was a deal breaker. But when he carried on, he said, the Iron Sheik was my uncle. I said, no. Like, I, I giggled when he said that. I said, no way. And, and like, he was dead serious. <laughs> I thought he was joking. But anyways, uh, later on, I see a character came out. It's called the Sultan. And the Iron Sheik was his mentor, uh, uncle. But, um, he, they, they offered me good money, and uh, and I go, no, and, and, and Vince goes, how can you turn me down, turn us down for a company that might not even be there tomorrow? I said, I don't know, because uh, maybe it will be here tomorrow. And then he goes, well, he goes, when you're ready, come back. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I come back, it wasn't as quite as friendly. But <laughs> yeah. So what, what was it about the ECW, though, that what was its demise? Was it just mismanaged? Because it, it's, it always had a popular product. That's what I'd also add to that. It would have broke my uncle's heart if I would have would have took on the Iron Sheik as my uncle, yeah. even if it was a work. It would have broke his heart. But anyway, I'm sorry. What was that? What was the question? I'd say that you 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 did have this loyalty to Heyman or the ECW, and it and it did have a, a a very a popular product. It was a it was a great alternative to what they were putting out. But what was its demise? Was it just badly managed? Uh, we were getting to. The, too small for our bitches. Like, uh, we had all these big shows all around the country and we couldn't yeah. fill the fucking arenas. Yeah. You know, the only time we do good is during a pay-per-view. And, and, and that, that was only in the arenas we did good. Our buy rates were terrible. You know, because we would have been good by now, maybe. You know, but, uh, the, the demise was, uh, we were trying to, we, were, we got, we got too small for our bitches. Uh, our name was bigger than we were, you know? Yeah. Well, and, it... and we, but we had the money to, to share it, you know? Yeah. Now, when when you would uh, eventually uh, show up in the WWF, um, but you never you never spoke really before that time. Why not? Because you could obviously you could cut a promo. So what what was it just? Oh, that... I I can't cut a promo uh, unless uh, they just say uh, slap me in the mouth and I go hey mother you know something like that yeah. because I I can't read a lot. They gave me lines uh, like uh, a script. And there were words I would never say in a million years. And I go, I would never say these words. I go, but you're going to now. I go, no, I can't. I, I, so, like, uh, uh, I, I can't. I, I, when I was a kid, me and my mom was watching wrestling. And we seen somebody come on the TV and go, Mara. and in five minutes, we seen somebody else do the same, almost same thing, different words, different guy, but almost the same thing. Mara. And she goes, promise me. When you when you grow up, you'll never do that. I go, Mom, I'll never say a word. And then this was like when I was ten or twelve years old. And, and then when I got to be a wrestler, now I, I don't talk because I, I I don't talk because I'm shy. But and also, I told my mother I never would. Really? <laughs> yeah. So tell me you'd never embarrass me like that. I go, I'll never say a word. But if somebody didn't hand you lines, like say say this, could you do it? I mean, just top of mind, you know, because uh, you knew that character. It, not a Sabu, I, I don't think I could. Yeah. Uh, but uh, like if I was acting in another role, sort of or something, I don't know. Yeah, I probably could. You know, if the price is right. But you know, they don't want to pay me extra for it. So I, why would I want to do it now? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it was I even big... said to Vince, I even said to Vince that you're not paying me enough to do this stuff. Yeah. And he just raised an eyebrow. He didn't say nothing. <laughs> He was, he's gonna, I thought he was going to say, well, how much do you want? <laughs> then, yeah. then, I, then we're talking. You 
but they wanted me to do extra work and destroy my character by go against my best my best judgment and make me talk. My best judgment was saying, I'm going to hurt myself if I talk. And I, I was right. You know, people, man, I heard you talk. I, now I know you're human. Yeah. You know, before that, I didn't want the people who didn't know me know that I wasn't uh, a monster. Yeah. So do you feel, I mean, it seems to me you always said you were always pretty straight shooter as far as talking to tell. Uh, do you think that that held you back with a company like the WWF? Because oh, there sure couldn't it be any other way. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it did. But I thought I could get them to see my way. Yeah. When I go, uh, I can't talk. Get me someone to talk for me. They go, Umaga already has that gimmick. Yeah. I said, I was doing it before Umaga was born. But that's okay. You know, I said, what the fuck? You know, but uh, when I, yes, it held me back. Sure it did. Part of the, the gimmicks of wrestling now, category, all the things they look at is, Promos, this, that, that thing. Before, when I was coming up, they go, he can't talk. Okay, don't have him talk. We're going to give him where he doesn't talk. Yeah. You know, or we're going to a, a guy where someone talks for him. They didn't make him talk if he couldn't talk. So now they make you talk. They go against my best judgment. So uh, I, I was very, uh, it, it, it didn't say, I, it was against my best judgment, and they weren't paying me enough. Yeah. If they would have shot me with money, I would have got over that best judgment shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That, that that always works, right? Um, what was it though that that you finally said I, I that you'd had enough with ECW after ha- all that loyalty and uh, you know commitment to that to that group? What was it that finally did it? Did it in '95? Brother, I went six or eight months with pay per view checks mounting. I went two months with no pay oh. with a bank account. I didn't realize it until about six weeks. I go, man, none of these checks are going through. Mm-hmm. I have no money in the bank. So, so eight weeks into it, I got a secret meeting with Kevin Sullivan and J.J. Dillon, and they offered me money, more money than I could count. And uh, before I got home, I, before I signed the contract, I called my mother to tell her about it. And she had a heart attack on the phone before I could tell her because uh, uh, someone got at home and she panicked and had a heart attack so I didn't tell her oh. so I didn't sign the autograph I didn't sign the, the contract and I flew home and uh, she was in intensive care so I called Kevin Sullivan and said hey I'm going to fax over the contract now uh, signed uh, okay and he goes no too late we're already being sued by, by Bob Paul Haven and all it was oh, was a threat in the suit was a method in the drop drop it and I would have been, been still rich right now if they would have came through with it oh man so what, in the meantime, so you, instead of going to WCW, you went to New Japan? Yeah, well, no, I went everywhere else. Is everywhere, it? you know, everywhere else, but I went to all Japan, actually. I went everywhere else, and I still made money, but yeah. I didn't make the money I was going to make in WCW. They were out of business a year later. You know, $60 million that year. It could have been $61 million. What's wrong with that, you That's know? That's right, you could have had one of them. Right. Yeah, and they, they wanted me to the top spot to run with it. They were going to give me the big choice because he was. And even had someone talk to me. Somebody of my choice talked for me. Oh, yeah. They were stuck in my dick big time. Yeah. And then the, I just was, I was, I was blowing my load in my pants. So I, I said, I have to go sign this. I have to go read this in my room. And Kevin goes, read it, just sign it. I said, just give me a few minutes. And oh. so I went to my room and disappeared. They go, what the fuck? Oh, wow. <laughs> but Paul, the yeah, you I thought I just died or something. Did you ever <laughs> remind Paul of that, that he cost you a lot of money? 
<laughs> no, he knows he did. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. And the thing was, I was just going to go to WCW for a year or two and then come <clears throat> come back to ECW a bigger name. But uh, oh, hopefully that was, that was my plan. I had no, I had no real ill intentions to get ECW. I just said I wanted to get paid. I, I was too old to take promises. Yeah. Well, you've been in the business too long. Back. Yeah. So when you did when you did uh, appear with the WCW, was that just a, uh, I don't know, what kind of a contract did you have with them? Well, when I did, that was way before that. That was years before that. Uh, I, I did a, a little run where, uh, um, let me think here. Uh, they are, the, Kevin Sullivan goes, for the first uh, Monday Nitro, he goes, how much would it cost? We get you in on our first Monday Nitro. He goes, it's against the fence. It's a big deal. And guy, I picked to be number one yeah. over everybody. And I go, I can't do it. I got to be in Japan. He goes, how much for the second one? I said, you don't have to pay anything. Kevin, just put me over. He goes, we got to pay you something. And I said, okay, 500 bucks, which was, a, I should never said that. He goes, okay, you got it. So I wrestled. They liked me. And then they offered me a contract that was for 500 bucks, 500 bucks a night. Uh-huh. And they go, for one pay-per-view on Monday a month, you only work twice a month. Can't wait for nobody else. No, no indies. No, no, no uh, TV. No nothing. I go for a thousand dollars a month. They go, yeah, that's what you wanted. Five hundred a month. You got what you wanted. I go, no, that's what I said. to look at me. Not they would negotiate. I mean, how stupid is that? And they didn't offer me no more. They said, we'll take it or leave it. I said, later. Well, then later on, they called me again, and then uh, that's when I talked to Kevin, and that was different. You know, and uh, uh, Bischoff wasn't in charge no more, and then. Kevin and JJ was, you know. Anyways, that was that. They, they offered me a five hundred match, and they thought that that was okay. That that, that was gonna, and they offered me no more. That was that was take it or leave it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that people yeah. don't realize. That I mean, the timing. Uh, it just seemed like uh, it was it was off several times for you. Where you should have. I mean, you talked to other other wrestlers. I mean, you were as big as as uh, the biggest stars around then. And that to think that that's how things laid out, where they're, you know, uh, you're going to get a, a big contract and then something else happens and then somebody else is threatening to sue and they back off. Uh, did it seem kind of like that's just the way it seemed to go for you? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it, it, it's, I'm not meant to, to, to hit the big one. So. <laughs> I wanna, of, you know, I'm just not that. Obviously, I'm meant to struggle, I guess. Yeah. When uh, I was a... go ahead. No, I just said I I almost hit the big one, but I didn't quite get there. Oh, you're talking with WCW that one? Fucking everywhere, you know. You know <laughs> if I wouldn't have quit WCW, maybe it wouldn't have went out of business, and that would have been the big one. If I would have signed that contract into the trying to call my mom, maybe that would have been the big one. Yeah. Or if I would have went to the events with the ECW and shit, maybe that could have been the big one. But none of them was, but they almost was. Yeah, well, in in uh, when you know WWF acquired or WWE, I should say, acquired ECW, and uh, you were part of that in what ninety seven. Uh, what did you think? That, okay, yeah. maybe this is this is it. This is the, I'm going to be part of this, and you know, come in and yeah, and it, and it was it. It was it for Paul Lee. Paul Lee signed. They had a secret deal just for him and Vince, and didn't give a fuck about us. Yeah. So. I mean, he had a deal and getting paid. When we're starving, he goes, I can't even buy a pair of socks. 
I said, yes, you can. Your mom and dad are rich. He goes, I can't buy a pair of socks with my own money. I said, well, that's not your choice because <laughs> your mom and dad was you. You don't have to buy a pair of socks. They'll buy it. So, so yeah, you only bought a pair of socks. I believe it. Your mom buys them. <laughs> <laughs> I buy my socks. I'm socks for my mom. You know, <laughs> she don't buy them for me. I buy them for her. So, but what was that experience like with, with when you were there, uh, when they were doing, when they were using, you know, the ECW? Uh, it was great. Uh, the, the second time around, because I, I Vince knew me from before, right. and he shook my hand like a, a about shook my arm off my off my my shoulder, I, and I had a bad neck, so I went, I sold it, and uh, he laughed. He thought I was kidding, it. and I go, I was saying, like this guy's an idiot. Oh, no, not an idiot. I didn't say that. I was guy's like a retard. Yeah. <laughs> he's not no idiot. He's a retard. He's, really, he's goofy a little bit. But anyways, it, it was cool. He, he he acted like he liked us and all that stuff, but we had absolutely no no positive ratings or no more ratings that they, that they didn't already have. They didn't go up. They weren't impressed with that. Yeah. You know, but that's not my choice. It's because I don't know why. It's not my choice anyway. I don't know why. Yeah, well, that was, uh, you know. I didn't question anything. I, just, I never questioned shit. I just say, what's next? <laughs> yeah. Well, when you know, that. Fix it and yeah, when you, when you, uh, you know, it never seemed like they really knew what to do with it. And, and it was, I mean, they had, you know, some really talented uh, individuals that, that were a part of that. It just didn't seem like they ever really knew what to do with it when they had it. Yeah. Like uh, in Detroit, they had me wrestle there, and, and Vince will go, will someone do a job? I go, no. Like, why would I want to do a job? I thought you like me. He goes, well, you know, just to see how vulnerable you are, or how workable you are, you know, cooperative you are. And he didn't say that to me directly, he said it to Paul. And, and, uh, and Paul goes, no, you can't beat him, you know, he's our biggest name. So he wanted me to do a job just to see how cooperative I would be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're invading there, and I'm like the, the top guy, sort of. Or close to it, and uh, he wanted to beat us, you know. And that was still in the time time where you can't come in and beat the WWF, you know. The, you don't have to go around all the matches, so we had to bring our own guys in and, and wrestle them. Uh, I wrestled Scorpio, but he was considered one of our guys. And and uh, Taz wrestled Mikey Ripley. We had to wrestle our own guys. We couldn't wrestle their guys because we'd have to lose to them, which would be why would we we're not going to invade it and then get our shit kicked out of us. Yeah. Well, I mean. Uh... Sabu, it's it, you know I wish you would have become uh, those contracts would have come your way because you you certainly paid your dues and man did you entertain people, um, Sabu you you, you really uh, I I tell you I watched several matches I went back uh, leading up to our our conversation and I have to tell you man I, it's it's just incredible what you uh, have done in the ring uh, you know it's you were so far ahead of your time on a lot of these, and now you see a lot of these kids today uh, emulating it. But uh, I, mean, I don't know if you 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 think of it that way that you did uh, you know blaze a trail in professional wrestling that's being uh, honored today. Yeah, you know uh, when I when I see someone break a table and and I like it, I go yeah, right on. I wasn't for me; they wouldn't be breaking shit. But now, but usually I watch people break tables and I go, man, that's terrible. I like it because I'm glad they did it terribly because mine's better. <laughs> or if someone does one as good as mine or better, I, I appreciate that too, you know. But do you see? Go, well, what, you know, but do you, when you look at what they're doing today, does it some of it frighten you because uh, the way they're pushing it? You got guys coming off balconies and. Does any of that? 
the thing is, see, I, I always said it, it, jumping off a balcony is too far from wrestling. It's too far from the ring. Yeah. You, uh, jumping off the back of a truck or the building, you can't do that in wrestling because it's it's not by the ring. Yeah. So, so I broke a table because it was ringside furniture. Yeah. I threw a chair because the chair is all around the arena. Yeah. I hit him with a bell because the bell was next to the table, on the table. I, I, I didn't... I didn't originally pull a table out under the ring. I hated that. I only used the table because it was the ringside mm-hmm. timekeeper and an own table. I used it because it was there. I didn't use it because I go, hey, I, I don't use a table. If I was going to think of something, I'd hit him with a goddamn hammer. I don't yeah. use a table. Right. But I'm not using a table because that was there, you know? Right. But does what some of them are doing, the, the dangerous part of it, does it does it concern you at all? Yeah, or? yeah. No, it don't concern me. Uh, someone will get killed, and it won't be my fault because yeah. I didn't jump off the building. Right. Like even like um, uh, Shane McMahon's doing, he's killing it, yeah. killing the business by jumping off the skies, you know, jumping out of the sky into a big crash pad or whatever he's doing. You know, the, that's too far from the realm of wrestling. Right. If a guy was going to climb up that thing and jump on me, for sure I had time to move. If I was knocked out and woke up an hour later, I had time to move. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, that's far from the realm of wrestling. So uh, no, that don't impress me. Uh, so if he kills himself, I say ha ha. But if you know, I see a guy kill himself in the ring, I go, oh man, poor dude, what a hero! All that. I see someone jump off a skyscraper or a building, or whatever, and they break the break their ass. That's too bad. Yeah. Like uh, combat zone, they do a thing off the back of a building with a truck full of light bulbs. After they start the match in the ring, they wrestle in the ring and end up on the roof of the building. Jumping in a truck full of light bulbs. How, how convenient. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And how far how far from the realm of wrestling can you get? Yeah. And um and, and what do you think about what's going on now with, you know, AEW and NXT and is this is this all good for the business? What do you think of all this now? NXT. What's NXT? With the WWE and now you've got AEW oh, with Cody. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh uh, I think that it's great that uh, A and E is starting up, but I think as good as WWE. Hell no, but you know, but, but people think so. Yeah. They'll find out, I guess. Awesome. But, yeah. uh, but I'm, I, they're, they're offering you know a lot of top dollar, and uh, so that's great that we have someone else offering top dollar besides them. Yeah, and it's getting it's 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 creating more opportunities for a lot of these guys uh, too. Yeah. So you know, yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Most definitely, so I, I'm glad they're taking they're, they're doing what they're doing. But they're trying. Like I watched the show, and they're they saying we got the best wrestlers in the world. <laughs> no, they don't. But that's okay. That if they can fool the people, good. But they don't have the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah. You know, part of being a good wrestler is an over. You know, not just good uh, technically. But anyways, I'm glad what they're doing. What they're doing. You know, sweet. Yeah, it's just helping professional wrestling. All right, folks. So uh, don't miss your chance to get uh, Sabu's book, Scars, Silence, and Super Glue. And you can go to uh, the website ecwsabu.com and you can get a signed copy through that. Or as uh, Sabu mentioned, you can get it on Kindle. You don't even you can do it right online. So that, that, that works as well, right? Yes. That, I, I prefer it because I don't have to send it to you. But if you want it autographed, yeah. you'd have to get it from me uh, on, the, on the website. All right. Well, uh, I know you're still out there performing. I hope I run into you down the road sometime. But, Sabu, I'm so glad that we finally caught up with each other. And thanks for coming on Primetime. Right on. I appreciate it. Thank you.